When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has upended everything from devastating the lives of Ukrainians to driving up energy and gas prices around the world. And one of the biggest shakeups has come in how climate change activists are responding to the conflict. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is our European correspondent, Katie Collins. Welcome, Katie. Hi, Roger. So overall, how has the war in Ukraine changed climate activism? Well, I think one thing that perhaps wasn't necessarily apparent to a lot of people um, when Russia first invaded Ukraine, but was um, immediately apparent to climate activists, um, both in Ukraine and outside of it, was the link between um, the uh, the fossil fuel industry um, and the, the and the the way that Russia was fueling the war, um, and you know the fact that um, these two things they sit much closer than people perhaps immediately understood. Um, and for climate activists, um, something that they have been you know, pursuing for a really, really long time is um, this idea that we need to really wean ourselves urgently off fossil fuels and move towards um, renewable energy sources. Um, and for them, this um, this has really just added to the urgency of um, of this problem. You know, we've been talking for a really long time about the potential consequences of the climate crisis, and you know, we're we're really starting to see those all around the world now. You know, in the U.S., um, extreme weather events are taking place. Um, and you know the another thing, another potential consequence um, is the idea that there are going to be um, wars based around um, the climate crisis and um, and you know refugee crises um, and you know we are really also starting to see these consequences crop up as well. Things that climate activists have been warning about for a really long time. Yeah, and you you one person you talked and talked to in the story mentioned the idea of this being the sort of the first climate war. I'm curious if you could sort of dive a little bit into that, like that that term and what that what that really means for climate activists. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I think that there's um, we are currently seeing, you know, this giant energy crisis that's happening all around the world and that's affecting all of us every single day. You know, at the cost of almost everything. Um, and, you know, this can be directly traced back to how things, you know, the war that's um, happening in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, for for the for Ukrainians, you know, they can see that um, the way that um, Russia is funding um, its its invasion of Ukraine, you know, uh, loads of different sources of money that's that's been flooding into Russia is now being cut off now, um, you know, through all sorts of um uh, kind of sanctions that Europe and the US have put in place. That 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 flow of money to Russia has really um, really been minimised. But there there is still money flowing into Russia every single day that is allowing them to continue this war. Um, and there's a direct correlation here um, f- between um, that money that that and 
that money is coming from um, selling fossil fuels to us. Um, and, you know, we are still yet to wean ourselves off this. Um, and that is why, you know, this is kind of considered a, a climate war. Got it. And is there a kind of unifying message or ask that climate activists are making in response? Yeah, absolutely. So the, they are saying that there needs to be an embargo against all fossil fuels. Um, so they've asked... In, in, specifically, you know, in Europe, they are appealing to European leaders um, to to stop buying any fossil fuels from Russia um, so that they can really cut off that stream of um, finance that's flowing into the country and, you know, and, and therefore, um, you know, allowing Russia to continue its campaign um, and its invasion in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, they're, they're saying that this it's not just a temporary thing. Um, that it cannot just be, we need to kind of cut off our reliance on Russian fossil fuels now. It needs to be a permanent thing and a full switch to renewables because what they're saying is, you know, for as long as we continue to rely on Russia for fossil fuels or, you know, any of the other countries um, that, that supply fossil fuels, you know, we're never kind of safe from the threat of Russia. And, you know, a lot of the activists that are really campaigning for this are activists from Poland um, and from Eastern Europe and from Ukraine itself, obviously. And they are well aware that this sort of lingering threat of Russia, it never really goes away. You know, their parents, some of them have lived under, um, you know, Soviet rule um, and their parents have. And they know that this is a kind of ongoing thing. And until, you know, this relationship is um, where we're paying Russia a lot of money is kind of cut off, that threat remains. Right. And how, how are these climate activists spreading the word on this issue? And I guess because this is obviously a time or an opportunity to, to educate folks on this linkage between fossil fuel dependency and what's going on in Russia. Mm. Well, I mean, they immediately sprang into action as soon as Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, and, you know, within two and a half days of the war breaking out, the Fridays for Future movement, which is an international youth movement that's most closely as associated with um, the young activist Greta Thunberg. Um, they they arranged this huge um, protest in Hamburg. Um, and, you know, it was loads and loads of people just turning out on the streets of Hamburg. And every single, um, you know, every single kind of Fridays for Future, um, they do a weekly climate strike, which is a school protest. You know, they, they come out of school on Friday um, and they, they skip school to go and um, do like a public protest in cities all around the world. Um, and, you know, they've really been focusing on, you know, uh, centering this message of, um, uh, you know, Ukraine in all of these different um, things. But they've also been, you know, there's there's been a group of activists that have kind of gone a step further and they've really, um, you know, some of them have left university in order to focus on this. They've, and they're traveling around Europe to, you know, there have been so many summits recently where uh, it's the kind of political elite from all over the world have gathered, you know, they're moving all around Europe from Davos uh, to Bonn last week, um, you know, all over to Stockholm. And they follow, they, they're, they're following these things, these, um, 
these events around and they're protesting there and they're also engaging there they're you know the, the two of the activists i spoke to had an hour and a half long meeting with the european commission president ursula von der leyen so you know they are getting FaceTime with the people who matter and who are making these decisions as well and they're dedicating some of them their whole lives to this um and you know have been on the move for months that's a great segue because I wanted to ask about like what is what has been the reaction from politicians from lawmakers on this issue how I mean you, you talked about how they you know they've been able to get some time with these lawmakers but is there actual what has perception been and is there actual movement on the political front towards something close to what they're asking for yeah um i mean i would definitely say that there is i i think that what they find is when they when they speak with politicians is that the politicians fundamentally agree with what they're saying um and and you know but they are extremely receptive to it but you know um they've pointed out that there is a difference to being uh, between being receptive to a message and then reactive in a way that's kind of adequate and living up to what they're what they're agreeing with so you know there in europe there's been a real move um there's been a uh to to you know they are really readdressing um they've got this whole repower eu strategy to move away from european reliance on fossil fuels and move towards renewables um you know it's not happening quite as fast as some of the activists want it to um and you know a lot of the countries in Europe are really still reliant on gas and will be to get them through the winter. Um, so they're they're having to negotiate partnerships with other countries in the meantime. So they, they but it's I think it's really difficult for them to hear, you know, a lot of the time when they when they confront politicians about these issues and the politicians are saying, I'm doing all I can and you know, these are some of the most powerful leaders in the world. Um and you know, there's, it feels like there's a disconnect because they're saying, I'm doing all I can, but it, it's not actually changing anything. Um, and it's it's frustrating for these uh, young activists to hear. Um, and, and I think that it shows that, it, I mean, it just shows the kind of, um, a lot of the time, you know, the lobbying power of um, some of these big energy companies that the politicians are up against. And, you know, there are so many forces at play here. I mean, absolutely. And, and, Curious, in particular, you know, you talked to at least one Ukrainian climate change activist who actually fled the country when the war broke out. And if you could talk a little bit about their story and just, you know, share a little bit about that person's perspective on what's going on with the conflict and with climate change activism in general. Mm. Well, you know, I think that there's... Um... Uh, the one of the young act Fridays for Future Ukraine activists, Ilias, who I spoke with, um, you know, was telling me um, uh, about the fact that, you know, he's already seen um, the kind of because he has friends who are activists in other countries, the kind of devastation that war can bring um, to a country. Um, and he was determined to kind of try and uh, volunteer with UNICEF when the war broke out. Um, but, you know, I think UNICEF basically said to him, you're a climate, you're an activist, like it's not very safe for you here. You sh you really need to leave the country, um, which he did. Um, and, you know, ever since um, he has, it's it's been so difficult for him because he's, he's his family have been able to flee as well, but he's not been able to meet up with them because he's, again, he's been so busy. Um, you know, he's been, a, um, he went to Davos with um, Arctic Base Camp and did a bunch of campaigning there because I think the thing is you know this idea that 
a lot of people still don't understand the connection between what he and his family are experiencing um, and the climate crisis. And this is something that he knows really well. Um, he knows this, um, you know, he, he knows the climate crisis already because he was already a climate activist um, and he is experiencing firsthand. And I think it's, I mean, it's a, incredibly difficult for him. You know, our, our conversation, you know, to be frank was like, he, he was very emotional during it. Um, and, you know, unsurprisingly so, because this is, you know, such a traumatic time for him. Absolutely. I can I can only imagine. Uh, just lastly, I guess if you're interested in taking action yourself, like what do you recommend are as some good first steps? I mean, I would recommend that, you know, because I think that there, there is um, there is the, the idea is that eventually we're going to switch away from. And, you know, I think that there is political will to do this all over the world, that we're going to switch away from uh, relying on these big fossil fuel company, uh, companies who are exploiting land in all sorts of different countries to renewable energy that is kind of um, owned by local communities and that serves local communities. So I think looking into, um, you know, what 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 activism or campaigns are happening around renewables in your local area, you know, can have such far reaching effects. Um, so, you know, if you're, I, I think start local is probably the, and, you know, read up on, on like local campaigns and what your local politicians think about this uh, because it, yeah, they are local issues with massive global ramifications is what I would say. Absolutely. Well, Katie, thank you for your time. You can check out our full story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.